The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Good morning, Norris Ferry. How are you this morning? Good. Does that, that video get you pumped up? Yeah. All right. We're going to dive into God's Word. But before we do, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Kevin Wilsey. I'm the Minister of Discipleship and Operations here at Norris Ferry. And so if you're a guest here with us this morning, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for for visiting and being here with us today. Uh, I love our people. I love this church. Um, And I pray that they will make you feel welcome and loved here this morning, loved here this morning. Since August, as you know, we have been going through the book of Genesis, and we've been walking through this book, and we've been seeing that God has a plan to restore and redeem his people and his planet for his glory, right? We have seen that that God in Genesis 1 has created everything, and he created everything to be in this perfect, harmonious relationship with one another, He created man, and he created them to be in this perfect relationship with him. And then we got to Genesis 3, and we saw that man, in their disobedience to God, sinned. And they broke apart that perfect relationship. And sin entered the world, and strife and pain entered the world. And as we have been walking through Genesis, we have started to see God's plan from Genesis 3, verse 15, that God has a plan to restore this brokenness, to restore his people and his planet back to him, all for his glory. He says in Genesis 3, 15, that someone's going to come And that someone is going to be the savior of the world, and he is going to crush the head of Satan. See, God, he let us know his plan. He let us know his plan right from the beginning. That from the offspring of Eve will come a savior to restore and redeem his people. We have seen that through God's providence, through his directing and working, through created things for our good and for his glory, that his plan is moving, that it is being accomplished every step of the way, over and over again. And today we come to chapter 25. So if you have your Bible, go turn, please, or your phone to chapter 25. And we're going to see that God's plan and his providence is passed from Abraham to Isaac and then from Isaac to one of his children. And we will see that God accomplishes his plan, but it may not be accomplished in a way that that we understand. It may not be accomplished in a way we think. Let me pray. Father, I pray as we were just singing, Father, that we will will trust in your firm foundation, that we will trust in in your plan. Father, that our our people, the people here sitting in these chairs, that they would be encouraged that, that, Father, you are going to accomplish your plan. You are going to accomplish your purpose. And that they would leave here excited about that. They would leave here with, with, a, with hope, 
a hope to continue, a hope to move forward. Father, I pray that everyone in this room, that they will trust in your plan. Father, that they will see that what you have spoken is going to come to pass. Be with me this morning. Would you use me and speak through me? And would, Father, your, your truths of Scripture just jump off the page and impact our hearts and spirit? Would you just move? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn to Genesis 25. We're going to start in Genesis 25, verse 1. We got a long way to go, so you're going you're gonna to stay with me. I know you will, but stay with me till the end, okay? Stay with me till the end. Verse, verse 1, chapter 25. Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimron, Jokshan, Medin, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan fathered Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Ashiram, Lechum, and Leumimim. Say it with me. Leumimim. And you're probably thinking, Kevin, why in the world are you starting right here? Why would you start with all these names? The sons of Midian were Ephah, Ephur, Hanak, Abida, and Elda. All these were the children of Keturah. Look here, verse 5. Abraham, he gave all he had to Isaac. But the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the east country. So stop with me here for one second. So the author is helping us transition to where God's plan and promise is going to go. And here we see that Abraham, he had many sons. Many sons had? That's right. But Abraham, he gave all he had to who? To Isaac. So the promise of a great nation and blessing is going to be passed from Abraham to Isaac. And way back months ago in Genesis 17, we saw that God, he spoke this to be. Right? He promised that this was going to happen. He declared that through Abraham and Sarah's son, Isaac, will he establish his everlasting covenant for his offspring. Before Isaac was even born, before Isaac has done anything. Not because Isaac did anything, but because that was his plan, right? Not through Abraham's eldest son, Ishmael. Not through all these sons' names that I just read off. But God chose to establish his promise to restore his people through Abraham. And it continues then to Isaac. And we're going to continue because we're going to get to what's coming next. So we see next, Abraham, verse 7, he hits 175 years old. He breathed his last breath. He had a good life. He had a, a fulfilling life. He was buried with his wife, Sarah, in the promised land, and it was a good life. But verse 11, God blesses Isaac. God blessed Isaac. So the promise of salvation through Abraham's offspring is promised to be accomplished now through Isaac's offspring. And if you jump ahead to chapter 26, don't, don't go there, but if you jump ahead, you actually see the verbal promise, the verbal blessing to Isaac. 
And you see that God, he now moves this blessing for salvation to restore and redeem his people from Abraham to Isaac. Okay, you with me? I've repeated myself many times. I feel like, yes. Okay, so it's moving from Abraham to Isaac. And in chapter 26, he says, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through this plan. So it's going to go to Isaac's offspring. So now let's continue in verse 19. This is where the author He comes from 20,000 feet in the air and he scoops down low and we get to see detail. We get to see detail of the land. This is where the author starts to pump the brake, okay? So verse 19, these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So Isaac and Rebekah, they're married at the age of 40. We saw last week how God's providence has dire- had directed them together. God's plan is moving forward. And they're married. And what happens? Rebecca's barren. Who else was barren? Sarah, her mother-in-law. And Isaac, he prayed. He prayed in faith, just like Abraham. Abraham prayed for Sarah. And Isaac, he prayed in faith. She, Rebecca, does not have her kids for another 20 years. He prayed for her in faith for 20 years. God, you said your plan was going to move forward. Your plan was going to go and move forward through my offspring. Lord, let your plan continue. Lord, please give children to my wife. Husbands, you should be praying for your wife. But it's important here that as Isaac prayed in faith, ultimately, Who grants the prayer? The Lord. The Lord grants Isaac's prayer. Rebecca conceives. See, it is the Lord's working. It is his providence that is controlling his plan. It is the Lord that is fulfilling his plan and promises. It's not man. It is not man. See, God's plan is moving, and we're about to find out who this promise, who God's plan is going to be passed to next. So are you on the edge of your seat? You're like, no, not really. You should be. The answer is yes. You should be on the edge of your seat. Why? Because we're about to see God's plan moving forward. The plan that leads to the Savior of the world, that leads to the salvation of myself and to many of you in this room. Are you on the edge of your seat? God's promise and his plan is about to continue. So let's continue on. Verse 22. (laughs) This makes me laugh, this verse. The children struggled. The children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is thus, why? Why me? Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. First note, God's plan is already coming true. She conceived. And notice that it's not just one kid, but it's two. 
But it's funny because we talk about God's plan and his promise going forward, but then the next verse of when we're gonna find out who it's gonna go to is they struggled. How does that make sense? God, is this your plan? Rebecca, she questions. She questions. There's this struggle of these two brothers pushing each other around in the womb, trying to wrestle and grapple with one another. That's the picture that is there. That's what this struggle means. Can you imagine that going on in someone's womb? I have two girls and both of them, one kid in there, just seeing them move. And imagining a struggle with two children? Rebecca's got to be thinking, this is not comfortable. And she does. She cries out to the Lord and she asks, why is this happening to me? Why am I living, basically is what she says. What in the world is going on inside of my belly? Why me? And it's a right response from Rebecca. And what does Rebecca do? She goes to seek counsel from the wisest person she knows. She goes to God and she asks God, why is this happening? So let's look at verse 23. This is key. And I want you to hold on to this verse. This is key. It's going to come back. It's going to come back to us at the end. Okay? And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. God's plan is spoken. It's laid out for Rebecca. The future of her children is given to her. She knows it. And the author allows us to see this plan. The author allows us to see how God is going to accomplish his plan. God says the reason there is a struggle going on inside your belly is because these, these boys that are growing inside your belly, these, these children, they're going to be great nations. But they're going to be extremely different from each other. They're not going to be the same. But the younger is going to be greater than the older and therefore, the older is going to serve the younger. And you're like, what? I'm the youngest in my family. And it, it, to me, reading this doesn't even make sense. Because that, it seems, is out of order. And that's a natural thought. The younger doesn't serve, the older doesn't serve the younger. Usually the younger is always serving the older. Especially in the culture here. Okay, so in this culture, the eldest son always received the father's blessing, always received um, his birthright and the, the double his portion, double than all the other sons. It is the oldest who should be greater. It is the oldest who should be served by the younger. And so the author gives us an idea of this struggle. She allows us into this struggle and this discomfort that Rebecca is feeling. We're feeling it too. God, how is your plan going to move forward? They're struggling. This doesn't make sense to me. I'm uncomfortable. There's a struggle here. I just, I don't get it. I don't get how it will continue. 
But God is showing that his plan is not going to be accomplished in a way that we may think or understand. God's ways are above man's ways. God doesn't have to work like we work. He's not held to culture. He's not held to us. But his plan is presented to Rebecca, and later on we're going to see if she trusts God will accomplish this plan. So at this point, you're with me, at this point we truly do not understand God's plan and how it's going to continue to move forward. We have two boys who we, we can see are going to be different, but we're going to get into more detail here. So we know that God has picked the older to serve the youngest, but we don't know why, okay? So let's continue. Let's meet these boys. Verse 24, when her days to give birth were completed, behold, just like the Lord had said, he spoke it and now it's coming true. There were twins in her womb, the first, the first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called him Esau. They called him Harry. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. His name is Heel Grabber. That's a great, great name. Um, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob... He was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac, he loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Rebekah has twins. God's word is already proving true. But here the author slows it down even more and he takes some time to do some character development, right? And he introduces us to the sons. So we have Esau who comes out first, and he's extremely hairy, he's, he's red, and so they call him Esau. And then we have Jacob, he's following right behind Esau, holding his heel. He's a heel grabber. And the author alludes to these names because they're going to be important later. They're, they're part of who they are. They're part of their character. But the idea here is that we have two twin boys who are extremely different, right? Esau, he's this manly man. He likes to hunt. He likes to eat meat, right? He drinks his, his coffee black and dark. He never changes out the filter. He just drinks the sludge. He's a simple man. He's a manly man. He knows how to work with his hands and, and fix things. He's like a, a baby boomer, right? He's a hard worker. He's not scared of, of dirt. He knows the woods. Well, Isaac, his father, loved him. And many of these guys in this room are like, yeah, that's my kind of man. Yeah, we can see why Isaac loved him. He was great at hunting and cooking meat. We love meat. Now Jacob, though, now Jacob, he's a quiet man. He likes to, to stay indoors. He's more sensitive than Esau. He, maybe he reads books and enjoys teas. He likes having long conversations. He actually listens to what you're saying. Jacob's a mama's boy. Rebecca loved him. He's, he's a millennial. 
He's like, he's like me. He probably didn't know how to, to fix his, his chariot or his wagon, and he had to call on Esau to do that. But after I say that, I think, no, he probably never even rode in a chariot or a wagon. And I'm obviously over-exaggerating these, these characters and describing them to you because the point is that they are extremely different. They are not like one another. They're not like one another in looks, and they're not like one another in personalities. Okay? So what we know, though, is that God, he chose the younger. Who's the younger? Jacob, the quiet one, the mama's boy, to be served by Esau, the hairy hunter. He chose Jacob to be a nation that will carry on God's plan to restore and redeem his people all for his glory. And truly, we don't understand how, we don't understand why, but let's continue to read and see God's working in his plan. Verse 29, once when Jacob, who was cooking stew, sorry, once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is this birthright to me? Sure, it doesn't matter. Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. And he ate, he drank, he rose, he went away. But catch this next verse. Thus Esau despised his birthright. What in the world just happened? In six verses, Esau just gave up, just lost his birthright. Jacob's at home over the stove cooking some stew. Esau comes in and he, he says, I am exhausted. I am about to die. I am starving. And that was the feeling that he was getting. It alludes to that he probably truly wasn't starving. How many of you have said, walked in and said, I'm starving, I'm hungry? Yeah, this is exactly what Esau does. And he comes in, he's a simple man. He doesn't care or think about anything else. But Jacob, he uses this time to be shrewd, okay? We don't necessarily know if he is just being opportunistic or vindictive, okay? We don't necessarily know that yet. He says, sell me your birthright now. Esau responds, I'm going to die, sure. What does it matter to me? I just want food. I just need food. I need energy. And Esau, then being the simple man he is, he eats the food, he drinks his drink, he gets up, he leaves. But as he leaves, he then despises. He hates that he just did what he did. He leaves and he's convicted, but yet instead of turning around and going back to his brother to try to fix this situation, he hates his birthright. He despises. The point of this text is not on if Jacob is doing good or bad. The point of the text is that last verse, thus Esau despised his birthright. He 
He sold his birthright for an earthly pleasure, for an immediate pleasure, for an immediate self-gratification. He just wanted that joy instantly now, a selfish act. He didn't care about his position, his future position, his inheritance. He didn't care about how maybe he had a, a role in God's plan. He forfeits his future blessing for a worldly pleasure, a bowl of lentil stew. Esau is not fit to carry on God's plan. Hebrews 12 shares that with us. Hebrews 12 shows that Esau sinned in this action. He sinned by showing little regard to his birthright. And many of you, when I read that story, you might be thinking, that's injustice. That's not right. Why would God allow that to happen? But Esau despised his birthright. Hebrews 12 shares that God did no injustice to Esau. So if Esau is undeserving, then we got to think Jacob's got to be better, right? Although we just saw a scene where he's pretty shady in this scene. But let's continue and let's look. Let's see if Jacob, who is chosen, is deserving of God's plan and blessing. Chapter 27. Chapter 27, verse 1. This is a long narrative. I hope the story keeps you in it. Hang with me till the end. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, He called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered, here I am. Isaac said, behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Side note, homeboy lived for another 34 years. He truly did not know the day of his death. (laughs) Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me a delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. Isaac's old and he's thinking he's going to die soon and he wants to fill his belly with one good last meal. It's like before you go to fast, you want to eat a lot of good food. Uh, He wants to fill his belly with some good food from his favorite son. He has a favorite. And he says, go hunt Feed me some of your delicious food and I'll bless you. Maybe he's driven by this fleshly desire, this selfish desire and his love for food. Sounds similar to Esau, like his son. Verse five, now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah tells Jacob all that happened. Verse eight, now therefore my son Obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Rebecca, she's planning, she's scheming, she's planning this blessing that she already knows is going to go to Jacob. She's trying to take control of God's plan. 
and she's trying to develop a plan for herself to bless Jacob. Maybe, just maybe, because we see over and over again God's people forgets forget his promises. And so maybe Rebecca just forgot that this was God's plan. She knows God's going to bless Jacob, but she's concerned that Isaac is wanting to bless Esau. So maybe she thinks that God just needs help, needs help with his plan. But then why then didn't she go and turn to him and seek wise, wise counsel like she did back in, in chapter tw- 25 when she didn't know what was going on? Rebecca, she's really showing her favoritism here. She's taking control for herself, God's plan. Verse 11, but Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, behold, what's coming next? My brother Esau is a hairy man and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will fill me and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, son. Only obey my voice and go and bring them to me. So Jacob, he questions. We get to the behold and we're like, okay, he's gonna question the ethics of this plan. But no, he just questions the logistics of the plan. He enters into this scheming and deceitful plan with his mother. He wants this blessing. Verse 14, so he went and he took them, the goats, and he brought them to his mother and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Esau is really hairy. They're getting goats to put on Jacob's skin. And she put it, she put the delicious food and the bread which he had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went in to his father. My father. And Isaac said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Blind, he can't tell what son it is. He hears the voice though. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game that that your soul may bless me. AKA, hurry, eat my food and bless me so I can leave and run before my plan is found out by Esau. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he answered, because the Lord God granted me success. He's bringing God into his lie bringing God into his deceit. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near and Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. 
And Isaac, he smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him. See, Isaac, he's not fully convinced that Jacob is who he says he is. He has him come near to him. He feels him. He asks him to reaffirm who he is. He hears his voice and says, that sounds like Jacob, but I'm, I, I'm struggling because this seems like Esau. He eats his food. Oh, this is Esau's delicious food. Still unsure, he, come, he brings Isaac over to him. He brings Jacob over to him and he kisses him. And as he kisses him, he he smells. And ultimately, it is the smell that convinces Isaac. Isaac says, see, the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Jacob deceitfully receives the blessing. Jacob has put on this plan of deceit with his mom. He just lied to his dad. He blasphemed. He cheated his brother. We see that Jacob is not deserving of this blessing. He is unworthy of it, but he receives the blessing, the blessing that establishes him as continuing the line of his grandpa Abraham, that continues his father's line. He receives this crucial link that promises God is going to continue his plan to restore and redeem his people. See, it's going to happen through Jacob, a sinner. Verse 30, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out, I gotta get out of here, I got the blessing, Esau's gonna be back any moment, we cannot get caught. Esau, his brother, came in. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. And his father, Isaac, turned to him and said, who are you? Esau's got to be thinking, what do you mean, who am I? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. And as soon as those words left his mouth, the realization of what just happened hits Isaac. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came. And I have blessed him. Yes, and he will be blessed. There is no undoing this blessing. It is irreversible. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even me also, oh my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? Y'all should know this is going to happen. He came holding my heel. He came to trip me up. He came to cheat me. That is who he is. That is his character. For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he's taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? 
Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him Lord over you and all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What is it that I can do for you now, my son? Jacob is is desiring these these worldly things, these earthly things. Esau is. Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and he wept. He's broken. He's sad. And then Isaac, his father, answered him and he blesses him. He says, behold, away. Get this, this is the opposite of Jacob's blessing. Away from from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Doesn't your heart just break for Esau? But remember, we know that that Esau's not fit. He's undeserving of this blessing. He sold it for a bowl of lentil stew. He despised it. How do you feel about Jacob and Rebekah? How do you feel about Isaac? See, we could dive deep into these characters and see that they are all unworthy of this blessing. They are all unworthy of any grace from God, but we mainly see that we have two brothers who are undeserving of God's blessing to carry on his plan. But at the end of this passage, the fact is God accomplished his plan. The fact is God accomplished his plan. From chapter 25, he says, the older will serve the younger. From the end of 27, He says you are going to serve your younger brother. God's word is true. He accomplished his plan for Esau to serve Jacob. Even through deceit and cheating, God still accomplished his plan. So this whole time we're unsure of God's plan and how it's going to turn out. But in the end, we already know how it's going to turn out. God's plan may not always make sense in our lives. We We may question him. We may seek the Lord for answers just like Rebecca did. We, we will fall to sin and selfishness just like all these characters did. We will try to change God's plan to make it how we want it to be just like Rebecca did. We will focus on worldly pleasures instead of our future pl- blessings. But God will accomplish his plan. See, his plan to bring about salvation to the world through the offspring of Jacob is moving forward. And it's moving forward from here. It's continuing and nothing is going to stop it. Yes, we're going to see next week that Jacob, he has consequences to his sin. And yes, we have consequences to our sin. We have consequences to our lying and our cheating and our deceit, just like Jacob does. But the fact is that God's plan of salvation to redeem us and restore us to himself, it's out of our control. It's out of man's control. And here's the thing. It cannot and it will not be 
revoked. It will come to pass just as it is given. Isaiah 46, 8 through 11 says, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind. You transgressors, you sinners, remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. God will accomplish his plan. So here, after the show, after the movie, here are the end credits. Okay, God, he continues his plan. His word, it never failed. It was continually fulfilled, and we know this, why? Because we have God's word, and we can read ahead. We can see how, how his plan continues. God, he passes his plan of salvation for all people from Jacob to his son Judah, and from the tribe of Judah comes the fulfillment of God's plan. And that fulfillment is Jesus Christ. See, Christ fulfilled God's plan, the plan that was outlined from Genesis 3.15, that someone is gonna come and crush the head of Satan is now fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And he is the only one who lived without sin. He is the only one that has obeyed every word of the Father. He is the only one that provides salvation for us. And there's no deceit or selfishness within him. And Christ, God's perfect son, he died for your deceit. He died for your selfishness, for your, your sin, your, um, your scheming. And he defeated the grave showing that he has defeated sin. You see, we are like Jacob and Esau. We're undeserving of God's blessing and grace. But for those who believe in Jesus Christ, because of Christ's life, death, burial, and resurrection, we are now covered in the blood of Christ. And God, he gives us his blessing and he gives us his grace and mercy, even though we are like Jacob and Esau, undeserving. But God's plan, it's not over there. It doesn't end with Jesus Christ. It continues. He promises to return. He promises to come back one day and restore and redeem his people and his planet all for his glory. And how do we know that? Because Revelation shows that God is going to keep his promise. And we know what is said in God's word is going to come true, that God will accomplish his plan. And just like what happened, just like when God told Rebecca what would happen, he's already told us what would happen. And at the end, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. What does this mean? This means that Jesus Christ will be victorious. This is nothing, there is nothing that can thwart that plan. There is nothing that can change that plan. See, we don't have to question what the end will be because Jesus, he comes back and wins. Depression doesn't win. Fear doesn't win. Lying and cheating, it doesn't win. You do not win. 
Jesus has won. God's plan is accomplished. And because we know that Jesus is coming back and all sin will be destroyed and earth will be renewed, this means that every time you turn on the news, every time you turn on the TV and you see this pain and you see this suffering, we grieve. But we do not despair. And every time the law is changed that doesn't line up biblically, we resist. But we do not have to have fear. Every time others disappoint you or or cheat you or hurt you or wrong you, we can cry and we can forgive. But we don't lose hope. We don't lose hope because my hope is in Christ. My hope is not in this world. It is in Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, I pray that, Father, that we can stand on the firm foundation of your truth and of your word. Father, that your promise, your plan to restore and redeem your people will come true. And so, Father, right now, as we're in this world, this broken world of sin, of hurt, of pain, of of strife, of not knowing exactly how and when you're going to return, maybe even questioning you, Father, I pray that we will run to your word and we'll look at your promises and we'll see that, Father, you are going to return and you're going to call all people to yourself. And, Father, for those who know you are are going to uh, receive salvation, They're going to get to spend eternity with you. And there won't be any more of this pain or of this suffering. Father, I pray that our people are just encouraged that the hope that we have in you, it can be trusted. It is sure. It is true. Father, may we all have hope in Christ, in Christ alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.